Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Good evening and welcome to Keith Walsh Investigates, where I am trying to track down and investigate two well-known vegans called the Happy Pair. They're not easy to find, they're not easy to track down, and they're always out and about doing stuff, swimming or in the car. We're a minute away from Dave's house where we'll be... I'll open my computer and we'll have a stable connection, so... Okay, well, I got... Is two minutes all right, Keith? Yeah, do you want to do you want to go and come back? Yeah, I'll just log off now, and then I'll set up my laptop and all that, uh, and then I'll tune in in about two minutes if that's all right. Cool. Okay, talk to you then, lads. Cheers, Thanks for nice bye, 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 bye. It's the Keith Walsh podcast. It's essential like your breakfast. It will get you up and going. There's the things you didn't know. Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh podcast. It's the Keith Walsh podcast. Give you energy like buck fat. And if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast, yeah. Yes, good evening, it is the Keith Walsh Podcast. It is Thursday evening, and uh, it is our Thursday evening, Friday morning podcast special. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, you're very welcome. I feel like um, a couple of hardy lads like the Happy Pair might bring some new listeners, so welcome to the podcast. Feel free to... Um, peruse my extensive catalogue. This is episode 56, I think, at the moment. And uh, I've been having a lot of fun, so you might enjoy some of the previous interviews that we have on the podcast, including talking to Tyg Fleming and his dad, which was the very first podcast. Uh, it took me a long time to get the, the podcast going because um, I actually kept emailing Tyg and said, uh, if you don't do this podcast with me, I won't do a podcast was a stupid thing to do because he could have just said I don't care but uh, thankfully after a lot of badgering and harassing he agreed to do the podcast so that was the first one and there's been 55 since this is the 56th (laughs) Uh, I can mostly talk properly mostly and uh, yeah I record up here in my special room away from the family Uh, as I'm talking to you it is as I said Thursday night it's the 21st of the first we're at level five lockdown still and everybody's slowly going a little bit insane on social media the jokes are all about um it being the 26th week of january um people making uh sandwiches out of um the heel of the loaf and um weedabix and those are the the gas bits but genuinely it, it it's tough because because we're in lockdown there doesn't seem to be any way out. There doesn't seem to be any light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there's normally a January. I know my family, we went away the last weekend of January, so we kind of had that to look forward to. After the lull of Christmas, we had, you know, January in the darkness and all that, but we, we had this weekend away with the whole family. So there's those little things we're missing out on. And um, and the kids are at home. And we're trying to do their schoolwork. At the, and I'm not a very... Pay, I don't know if I've become less patient, but I'm fi- I'm struggling because 
he, my son is 12 and I get that he doesn't want to do any schoolwork and uh, I'd love for him to just you know bounce out of bed in the morning crack open the books and get on with it and that's just not in his he's just not interested in doing that at the moment which is perfectly understandable so uh, there's a bit of a clash where I you know you try and give him a bit of leeway and say look you whenever you're ready you get up and do your work and you know we get there eventually it's all cool but then at four half four he's still doing his work at the table and <laughs> you can see no progress you just blow a gasket and uh, and every day you kind of go look look you kind of have to hug it out and go look tomorrow will be better won't it yeah tomorrow will be better look tomorrow will be better Anyway, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please check out the other podcasts. Also, subscribe to the podcast, please, and leave us a review. And if you'd like to email me, feel free. It's keithwalchpod at gmail.com. You can email me about anything. You know, if you if you could treat me like an agony uncle, send me in a letter where it's like, Keith, I've been seeing this man for 15 years and now I don't like him. You know, something like that. And I'll try and help you. Um... I could end up making it worse, but, you know, I'll give it a lash. Uh, so keithwatchpod at gmail.com is the email address. And what else do you need to know? Um, there is a link in the uh, description of the podcast where you can send us a few quid for the podcast. Um, have I said the word podcast? Enough? And, uh, you know, it's not, I'm just talking like a one-off few quid, you know, 50 grand, 150 grand, whatever you can spare would be absolutely fine and would keep the podcast going. Um, that's it really uh, it's time for me to introduce my guests and uh, I um, I wouldn't say I stalk these guys but I'm a big fan I've got all their books and I like their food and I aspire to be more like them every day I was completely vegan um, for completely vegan for a year and a half which I kind of started you know due to them uh, basically, my father had a heart attack when he was in his 40s, late 30s, 40s. So kind of when I got to that age, I thought, well, I need to figure out what's the best diet for me to make sure I don't, you know, have a heart attack. And uh, vegan was the was the way to go for me. So I got uh, the Happy Pears book. And um, as you'll hear in the, in the chat, I learned one. Um, recipe from that book and made it over and over again. That was that was that was what I did. Edit every day. I was vegan, eating the same thing over and over again. It's a lot of beans. I did a lot of farting. Um, so I was delighted that they uh, said they come on to the podcast and uh, they have a new book out, which we talk about. It's called the Happy Health Plan, and the book is basically uh, so it's. Simple and tasty plant-based food to nourish your body inside and out. Um, and it's a plan. So they've got recipes. Um, they've got shopping lists. They've got um, like little diaries, suggested meal plans. And, you know, it's it's a way of eating healthily, not eating meat, cutting meat and dairy and other stuff out of your, out of your diet. And uh, also holding on to that uh, and also being healthy because I, I stopped being a vegan. I did it for a year and a half. I don't eat meat or dairy now, but um, I, I do eat fish uh, because I wasn't cooking properly 
and it's something that I still want to do and, and I think this year's time is um have the opportunity to have a bit of time so I'd like to get back to it but uh, I had to eat fish because I wasn't taking the time to cook food properly to give me the nutrition I needed to be a healthy vegan so it's just something worth thinking about anyway um love talking to the lads used to have them on uh, fairly regularly on the breakfast show on 2fm and uh, yeah delighted david is 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 one of the names of the brothers and stephen is the other names of the brothers david and stephen flynn and they are the happy pair um i think somebody called them i remember someone called them vegan jedward or something i don't know whether they i can't see them uh, having a problem with that it's kind of funny uh but they're really nice chaps and uh I'll, I'll tell you that afterwards they sent me their phone number so i think we're actually going to be friends but that's enough for me without further ado it is episode 56 of the keith watch podcast and it is the happy pair now we're on nearly there keith sorry right, nice one have you ever turned you up I love the colours. I, uh, I I'm just in from a walk, so I didn't get, I haven't got changed yet. Colours okay. are cool. Where'd you go to? I just, I live beside the Curra in Kildare. Okay, oh, nice. nice. So I bring, I've got a little um, Bichon Frise. Do you know what a Bichon Frise dog looks yeah, like? Yeah. So they're little um, white fluffy balls, and yeah. uh, I, he, but he, he's he's a very much a house dog and he loves his comforts but like he's also brilliant to just go for bring for a run like if i go for a 5k he'll run with me the, all the way like he's he's quite a, he's quite hardy in a, in a weird way but uh, it's quite a size in kildare me out you know doing my 5k across the curve with my little fluffy white dog um, really nice. bouncing along beside you he loves it he loves it how are you guys that's just great are you, having, are you having lunch I've got really into beans, bar chocolate, and kind of making my own. And um, my wife bought me a present of the, the winner of the World Chocolate Award last year, beans, bar chocolate award. So, savoring a square, square of that as I talk. So you're making your own chocolate, is is it Stephen? Are you making your own chocolate? Yeah, yeah, I've been making it for a few years now. Just really enjoying the process and the craft and the romance and the sense of different origins, bringing different flavors and processing like. Like kind of, you know, the speciality craft beer movement or the speciality coffee movement. So so you're making your own chocolate. So you guys are into your sweet treats then? Uh, like you, you, you'd have your fair, fair, fair share of sugar then, would you? We, you'd limit it. Like I, I think sugar gives like the nature of health, I guess, through our journey where we've been kind of fundamentalists for many, many years. I think when you have kids, do you have any kids, Keith? Yeah, two. Uh, Anna is 18 and Finn is 12. Wow, good oh, on you. She's well. through the teenage years. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, but but I think kids can help mark some of your edges off or at least challenge them anyway. And I think having my kids are kind of at least challenged my sense of, you know, kind of black and white about everything. And, and I've realized, you know, cake and sugar has a place in a healthy diet and that it gives the opportunity to mark an occasion to give a sense of uh, punctuation to an experience where it's suddenly like, wow, what fun. Like obviously in small quantities, but yeah, I think it's, you know. And I think there's, uh, I think like something which people might sometimes, like I think there's no such thing as perfection in terms of health. And it's what we do most of the time is much more important than, you know, all the time because we're all flawed humans having, you know, doing as best we can. I should say, so the Happy Health Plan is the book. It's uh, Dave and Stephen Flynn. Obviously that's you guys, just in case you didn't know, published by Penguin Life and it is out now. What's the difference with this book, lads? I, I think of all of your books now at this stage, including this one, what's the difference 
with this book and your other books, which probably were more traditional recipe slash cookery book? This one was the first one, like we, we over the last 10 years, really. And this book is the distillation, all the learnings from that. Um, so we've kind of supported people through. We, we started with a, a happy heart course upstairs in our veg, upstairs above the vegetable shop 10 years ago. It was, it was just a little, it was an experiment to put plant-based eating to the test. And like we, we, we got it. We'd eaten, we'd eaten plant-based for a few years, had eaten vegan diet and kind of wanted to see what, if it actually worked in terms of health. So this is 10 years ago, we got a local nurse um, and to see if she'd help us. And we got 10, 20 people from the community, we put up signs around the shop saying, you know, reduce weight, healthy, skinny, free. And we had 20 guinea pigs um, take part in our experiment. And obviously we didn't call it an experiment. We said like a, you know, a validated course and whatever. And Angela, the nurse, measured everyone's cholesterol, weight, and blood pressure. And they came upstairs to us and we taught them how to cook. So it was teaching people how to eat, you know, to cook porridge for breakfast or, you know. Um, how to cook lentils, how to cook whole grain, brown rice. Had pies and chilies and, you know, all this type of whole food uh, type dinners. And uh, after the four weeks, the, you know, it was kind of like vegetable AA, like once a week they'd come along and we'd pass around dishes for them to taste. And how'd you get on? And, oh, was it hard? And, oh, you know. Um, all this type of stuff. And after the four weeks, it was an average drop of cholesterol at 20%. Everyone lost weight, blood pressure reduced. And I guess that was the basis of this book, which was 10 years ago. And uh, that classroom course ended up becoming more and more popular and until it became so popular that we built an online course. Um, and we ended, doctors ended up joining part of the journey. And we've now got five or six courses. And this book is the distillation of all the learnings from the courses with the, with the doctor's help. Like we have bits by gastroenterologists, dietitians, cardiologists, weight doctors, and there's all sorts of like medical professions have got in to kind of add weight to the, to the why. And really the whole, like this whole book is, it's all, all the kind of the medical bit and the science bit is all to get you to eat the fruit and veg. So it's all essentially trying to motivate you and answer your, try to help knock down your fears to just eating more fruit and veg. Because in Ireland, nine out of 10 people don't get their RDA or recommend a daily allowance of fiber. And fiber you'll pretty much only get in, in whole foods like fruit, veg, beans, legumes, nuts and seeds. Cheers, we're bad, aren't we? The old Irish, we're not yeah. going to Are we getting better, though? Are we getting better? Well, there's room for improvement, which is great. But even across the full, like the full developed, the full de developed world, like whether it's the UK, America, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Europe, Ireland, like more than 50% of all calories, that's half of everything we eat is ultra processed foods, like junk food. So like that's Ireland, like in, in America, it's closer to 60%. In the UK, it's more like 50%, 55%. In Ireland, it's more than 50%. So it's like, you know, we end up, we're hardwired. The, the, the challenge is that we're like, we've evolved over millions of years kind of eating, you know, basic, not high in sugar, not high in fat. Natural foods. and processed foods. Whereas now over the last kind of 100 to 200 years, like the food industry have managed how to isolate sugars and fats and they've kind of hijacked our mammal brains so that we're so addicted. And we all see it ourselves. Like I see it myself that sweet foods and retreats, like we just adore them. And it's, it's, it's no fault of our own other than the environment, like the natural food environment is, you know, food companies make money by selling junk food. And we just love junk food as mammals because it's, it's immediate sugar releases dopamine in our brains and it kind of um, hijacks our evolutionary biology, if you know what I mean. That sweet, sweet dopamine, lads. Do you know what I mean? Because you just do a dopamine book. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but, and the other thing about that is the, the mental health side of things, because, you know, they say the stomach is your 
you know, your second brain. brain. I'm going to get this wrong, but it, but it, I mean, the cultures in your stomach can, I, I'm not an expert, which maybe you guys can tell me can help with feelings of depression, anxiety, you know, that's kind of, it, they're looking at that. Maybe that's where it's all coming from. Yeah. yeah, there's a huge link, like in our small intestine or, our, 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 we've what's known as a microbiome, which is a fancy word, a microbiota, which is a fancy word for the collection of bacteria. And typically we have more bacteria and microorganisms than we, than we do have human cells. So we're very reliant on the health and the biodiversity of these microbacteria. And like, you know, you've got most of your immune system is based in your gut. And as you said, a huge amount of your, there's a huge link between how healthy your gut is and your brain health. And there was a SMILES research, it was done, it was called the SMILES project, where they, they put people on depression and changed the foods that they ate. And when they did this, their mental health obviously changed and their medication doses reduced. And they found that there was a huge link between what we eat and our mental health. And this is, as you said, like it's often referred, your gut is often referred to as your second brain. There's nearly the same amount of nerve endings in your gut as your brain. Like it's, there's, you know, there's loads of similarities with it. and the most important food for your gut is fiber and you only get fiber in fruit and veg. And even if I'm Steve here, I'm just going to, there's a little story just on the importance of uh, fiber and mental health. Like I, I remember back a number of years ago, we were trying to get a healthy eating project going, a kind of curriculum in the school system nationwide. We went in, we met, went into the government buildings. We met Simon Harris, the minister for health back then. And you know, they were all great, cool. Like start with a pilot project. So, I went down to my, my daughter's school, which is just around the corner from where I live, St. Bridget's. And I was sitting down with the principal back then, Sister Kathleen, and she'd been principal there for, you know, a number of years and very seasoned um, lady. And she was a, traditionally, she was a nun. And I was kind of talking and telling about what I wanted to do. And I mentioned the word fiber and she should suddenly lit up and got turned on. And I was kind of like, wow, this is a bit bizarre. A nun being all lit up and turned on by the word fiber. I wonder what this is about. And we got talking more and she said, in recent years, in the last five years, she said, every week, two to three kids go home due to constipation. And prior to that, this didn't happen. And it's like, she's literally over the course of her term, she's seen the impact of the dietary shift in our country and how it's affecting people's health and as a result, their mental health. That's mad, isn't it? And yeah. do, do you ever get like, because people are very jumpy about things like that. Like if you start claiming uh, you know, food over medication. Do you find people are jumpy and, and sort of triggered by these things? Like, you're, you know, uh, yeah, we tend to stay away from any discussions about yeah. depression and, you know, because it's so loaded and people have there's such a diversity of opinions on it. Um, but I think most people, probably not everyone will agree that food, there is a place food will definitely affect your mental health to some degree. The degree is what people are debating about. I think exercise and things like that are contributing factors as well. Uh, and then, you know, your family and community and sense food, of purpose. There's so many factors as yeah, well for, as, for yeah. health and mental health. And I think food can become quite political and that's where it's changing. But Oh, there's your little Bichon free. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but, but I think the, the one thing that people, you know, I, I think our message isn't really about being vegetarian or vegan. It's just to try to get everyone to eat more fruit and veg because it's something that we can all benefit. We can all improve on. And I think the research is pretty clear that the more whole foods you're eating, the more beneficial it is to your health. And I yeah. suppose people could just look at you guys and think like you're a pretty good advertisement for the food you eat and, the, you know, your lifestyles. Um, 
So you know, it's, it's very hard to argue with you. I was reading um, recently that uh, it was actually just Stephen did an interview on his own talking about setting the alarm for 5 a.m. every morning. Is that still ongoing? Is that where you're at at the moment? Or is that- yeah, I'm up at 5 again today. Yeah, I guess, you know, being a parent, I tend to fall asleep when I'm putting the kids to bed more often than not. Typically, I'll go to bed about half nine. So, you know, kind of seven, seven and a half, eight hours later, it's kind of 5 a.m. And I kind of, I like the kind of solitariness of the early hours of the day. I, I think many people are are larks or others are, what's the other word? They're sparrows, is it? I don't know what it is. Just but 30, 30% they say, are, I think it's 40% are early birds, 30% are owls, and then the rest are in between. Yeah, so we, we just appreciate the early morning and the sense of the, you know, typically, I, like say this morning, I got up at five, I did a bit of an hour's work, did a little bit of meditation, then went over, met Dave, and we did a bit of handstand and kind of flexibility training. Then went back, had brekkie with the kids, and then went for a swim in the sea and brought the kids to school. That, that, is, great that, that is a delight. One, 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 thing which, one thing which I've said, and this is the other one, sorry, Keith, this is Dave yeah, here. Right, this Dave. is where I wanted to, I've been reading about the people in the blue zones, you know, the longest living people in the planet. Yeah. And one of the things which they were saying was that the, to wake up within an alarm clock. So this year, obviously, the, the whole, uh, the game changed completely. The rules of the game changed. So I decided I wasn't going to use an alarm clock at all this year. And bar, I'd say once or twice, I did use it. But I've just been waking up naturally when I wake up and going to bed at nine o'clock, usually sometimes between nine and 10, sometime around that. And then I'll wake up somewhere between 4.30 and 6, usually. 4.30 and 5.30, usually, somewhere and then. And you're obviously waking up refreshed, ready to go. Like you're not dragging yourself out of the bed. You're, you're, because uh, you're, because you're just naturally like, you know, once you like, now this is, I just wanted to see the effects of myself with no yeah. habit, no alarm clock. And I do, once you wake up, you just get up out of bed and away you go, you know. Because I, I need some help here. So, so this is where I'm at at the moment. I mean, I was completely fully vegan for about a year and a half. And uh, I just, I don't know what it was. I couldn't, I didn't have the time at the time to focus on cooking the right foods like when I started when I started being a vegan completely and I did it because my dad had had heart problems he had a heart attack when he was 40 so I was kind of it was when I was approaching that age I was like okay I need to look at and vegan vegan with fish seemed to be the best diet for your heart from what I could read at the time um and that's I don't eat dairy I don't eat dairy and I don't I do eat fish occasionally I don't eat meat um at the moment so i'm not completely vegan but now i've started to because i've got a bit more time i'm not doing the breakfast show my my life is my own i've started to try and get into the meditation um and i'm i'm i I just so so this year mostly i didn't drink either okay so this will be my first christmas since i was probably 17 to have a completely sober christmas and reading your story when you guys sort of went traveling and you know discovered yourself or you know found out what you wanted to do with your life uh giving up the booze and meditate that all kind of came in then was it was it a gradual thing was it i mean how long will it take me to become you know to get that uh you know the way they say with with the medication you go you, you go through a sort of a there's a there's a moment where you get it uh like a joy what's it called there's a joy moment or something uh where you suddenly go okay I get it. That, well, that's, is that going to take, take me a long time? Maybe <laughs> 40 years. <laughs> well, well, I, funnily enough, some people say like it's 100 hours. The Dalai Lama says it's 100 hours of meditation before you, you know, before it clicks. Other people say you can do it in a, in a week. Wow. 
Well, okay, I think everyone's their own and meditation can mean many things to different people. I know my wife, she's a clinical psychologist and she hates the whole movement towards meditation and yoga. She just, anything that brings people back to the present moment and stops them worrying about the future and the past, that's what she kind of um, encourages. But, you know, I, I think whatever works for you and fair play to you getting involved. And I think meditation, we found to be super beneficial. Yeah, we like we, when we were, when we were back, when we kind of like we grew up and, Grew up in Greystones in County Wicklow, and we were as teenagers, like later teenagers, we were drinking and partying and meeting burgers and chips and playing rugby and whatever. And then we went away traveling and separately on our own, separate little journeys. And we ended up giving up booze and we ended up giving up meat and becoming vegan and getting into meditation. And it all happens kind of over this period of a couple of years. Unfortunately, we weren't living in our usual surroundings, so we could explore, you know, what felt right or not. And at the time, we ended up going to these Vipassana meditation centers. You might have heard of them. Mm. They're, they're where you do those 10-day silent meditation retreats. And we ended up going, living in them for a couple of months, I'd say it was, and did the courses and cert, like cooked the food on the courses and, and really kind of bedded in a meditation habit very quickly. Like It was quite ironic. It was funny because we went from... This is back in 2001 or 2002. We were in New York. Yeah, dad, dad had gone to see some fellow with massive hands Tony Robbins. called Tony Robbins. And he said, lads, this is back I, 20 years this ago. This is 20 years ago. And he said, it was amazing. You have to go to this. He says, I'll pay for your tickets. You just get yourselves there. And we were both traveling wherever the hell we were. And somehow we managed to make our way to New York. And dad paid for us to go to this conference, which Tony Robbins, which was all about, you know, you can do, you can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can have it all. And it was, it was so much fun. It was a really enjoyable thing. And straight after that, we went to this meditation center and we ended up staying there for about six weeks. So we went from one extreme to the other. And one was like, you can have it. You can do it. It's flashing lights and night, like really, you know, it was the epitome of externally attractive. Whereas the other was the total contrast of like silence living in a small little sparse room, meditating 10 to 14 hours a day meditation. So the other one, like obviously the Tony Robbins thing was wonderful, but the meditation gave us a, like a glimpse of, of what else is inside of each one of us, you know? And I guess that kind of bedded us down into realizing the importance of meditation. And that habit has been sometimes stronger than others, but we've kind of kept it going since then, really. So what was it, do you think, looking back on it with you guys as young lads playing rugby, meatheads, you described yourselves at one point, yeah. uh, drinking yeah. booze, what do you think you were looking for? Like, what was the problem? I think just a sense of kind of a desire for more, more of life that it would possibly, I remember sitting around December, 2001, around the kitchen table to Dave and just going, I don't feel like fully happy in myself. You know, I feel like I need to go away and I need to go away on my own and get a one-way ticket. I'm not coming back until I'm happy. So I think there was a desire for more and desire to, to kind of explore beyond the social conditioning that we would have been, fed and I, I think it's sorry i'm cutting across steve here dave here but i think it's it's less about like because you know the way I, I can retrospectively i think we can see things a little better and i guess for our up until we went away traveling we were we tended to be overachievers like being identical twins we were very competitive so we tended to be overachievers because we were competing with one another for attention like our whole lives so we were like you know we were good at rugby we were good at golf we were good at you know lots of things because we were looking for validation externally and I guess when we went away traveling, it was more, the idea was there must be more like, where do you get peace? Where do you get stillness? Where do I get that sense of contentment? And I guess that, that kind of kicked off that journey um, 
and kind of a sense of where do I feel most myself? Because, you know, like, say, growing up in Greystones and going to, you know, we went to a, a kind of prayers in Bray and an all-boys school, and then we ended up going to university, studying business. You're kind of, there's lots of conditioning as to what, what we should do to make us happy. And it was only when I, I remember going away traveling and kind of going, who do I want to be? Maybe I'll, instead of being a jock this time, maybe I'll be a hippie and see do I feel more comfortable as a hippie. And then it's like, maybe I'll be like a crusty hippie, like and go hitchhiking and sleeping on the side of the road and see do I feel happy then. And it was, it was just interesting to kind of push my own version of myself to see where I felt most happy. But I most- wonder... Yeah, I wonder wonder what it was in you, though, like it must have been something in your upbringing or something that because lots of people think, I mean, I went traveling, um, but I didn't I didn't go far enough. Like, I, you know, what I discovered when I went traveling was that you just take your sadness with you. You can be standing on an island in Malaysia and you can still feel that uh, feeling uh, that, that you had when you left in Dublin. You know, I don't I don't think I went far enough to try and find that contentment which I'm only you know it's only it's only something I'm really really looking at now like so there must have been something in you guys as young lads to kind of really push it a bit more where do you think that came from possibly being identical twins you have this sense of support you know the way this kind of unconditional support if anything goes wrong it's like ah should Dave be there should be but I'd say it's also from that that you know there was a hollowness even though we were playing we played semi-pro rugby we were both off like two and three in golf. Like I went to be a scratch. I went to go be a professional golfer. We were doing male modeling at the time. We were like, we were, we were studying business. We'd done lots of things, which society said, you know, you're going places or you're, you know, that kind of thing. And we both still felt hollow. Like there wasn't that sense of ease or contentment or within yourself rather than externally. So I think that having those feelings and then going away, traveling, and then somehow stumbling along meditation centers and spending lots of time, alone in the dark by yourself having to kind of as weird as play demons yeah face your inner demons as you said like sitting on a beach in malaysia feeling sad but it's i think for us it was the ability to sit with that sadness or that that discomfort and kind of unpeel it and to try to make sense of it and now not to say we've got rid of all of them you certainly you can sit with it now which helps yeah yeah because i mean what i what i have done for the last year is a lot of therapy and uh I presume you guys sort of that acted as as a sort of a therapeutic experience for you, or do, did you then you know sort of look into therapy or psychotherapy or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I've been like I guess the meditation was a wonderful tool to reflect, if you would, and kind of to just to see where and to feel kind of connect deeper in with ourselves. And there were times in our life when we were meditating like two hours a day when we first started the shop, and we we're very crystal clear and very deliberate in our actions and then through starting a business and it getting busier and getting more exciting and then having kids and partners suddenly other responsibilities start to arrive and suddenly I hadn't meditated for a few years and it's only in recent years that I'm kind of getting back now kind of meditating and you know 20-30 minutes a day that type of thing and I find with starting back doing it I remember that kind of connection with myself and that but my wife is a clinical psychologist and she's very she's very into gestalt psychotherapy so i've gone a number of times um and enjoyed it and we, we've started even as a couple we'll sometimes go to um to see a therapist together and it's very beneficial just to improve communication because i guess traditionally in ireland if you went to see a therapist you were seen like you were broke or there was something you were wrong or there's something ash or what's what's the story with him but 
I think it's a wonderful tool and support system which we can all benefit from. And I think it's wonderful to see in modern day society, the sense of the social prejudice around therapy to being removed and start to see something as really, really we all need. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, I think the holistic approach is something. I mean, obviously, look, I'm talking to you guys. I, I'm interested in therapy. I'm interested in food. You guys are very open to trying new things, to experiencing things and to experiencing life in a different way. But the, 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 the difficulty is like a certain a certain type of person. And hopefully maybe people listen to this podcast. It might change their mind, but a certain type of man will buy your book. But a certain type of man definitely won't buy your book. How do we? How do you guys reach out to, to I mean, obviously, you don't, you're not going to bother reaching out to people that just won't listen. But we really and, and it is better. It is better. And we are talking about it more. And we are looking at nutrition and, and mental health and it is getting better. But there's still a huge, vast, uh, you know, swathe of Irish society, especially with men, just not interested and not engaging at all. Like, how do we fix that? I, I, I know you probably don't have the answers, but. Well, I think the biggest lever for a man in many cases is often what's between his legs. And um, like, because like it, it tends to, you know, sometimes people will refer to it as their second brain and not their gut. But um, <laughs> like, I think in terms of like the first sign of cardiovascular disease or heart disease for a man, which is the biggest killer in the world by a distance, is erectile dysfunction. Because uh, if you've got heart disease in anywhere in the body, you've got it everywhere in the body. And obviously your penis is a muscle that, you know, if blood flow is constricted, there's less blood flow. So it mightn't function quite as well. So I think realizing those basic things and even, even like, you know, yeah, back to like blood flow is optimal for all the organs in your body, including your sexual ones. And the foods that like, you know, are typically per- perceived as macho or manly are your meats and your beers and your steaks and your drugs and, and all these type of things. And all these things constrict blood flow. They all constrict blood flow. Whereas the things that are healthy, such as meditation or relaxing vegetables. or yoga or vegetables or eating plant-based foods, they all improve blood flow, which is, you know, which is kind of counterculture in a sense in terms and of macho. I think this is kind of generally a good... Um a good uh, motivator for most men. I guess beyond that, I think it's it's to move it like food. We've noticed over our journey that food can be very binary, like you're vegetarian or you're vegan or you're not. And there's nothing in between. And we found that if you can kind of encourage people and have different role models of different athletes that are incredible performers at, at their various sports and they eat predominantly a plant-based diet, it kind of, it's a good role model for most men to kind of go, Maybe I should eat more and, vegetables. And fruit. I, I think a huge barrier for men is labels. Any labels of vegan or vegetarian, like they're really, they're like religious terms. So I think it's it's to just move the goalpost. There is no such thing as perfection. It's just about eating more fruit and veg and beans and whole grains. Because all of us, no matter who we are, men or women, we want to wake up. We want to have energy. We want our body to function well. And, and, and even research, uh, we mentioned it earlier, the blue zones where it's the six areas in the planet where there's the most amount of centenarians. Uh, and when they looked at their diet, their diet wasn't necessarily vegetarian or vegan, but 95% of their diet was whole food plant-based. And I think that's a big distinction because I could be eating a vegan diet, Keith, and eat nothing but dark chocolate, French fries, and vegan ice cream and vegan beer. <laughs> but it's no better than the convention, conventional processed diet. Whereas I think the big distinction is to try to eat more whole plant foods as in you know, natural foods. And even even when they looked at those blue zones, the, the longest living people on the planet, 50% of their calories were coming from beans and lentils, 
Whereas, you know, if you look at the Western diet or the Irish diet, even 50% of the calories are coming from ultra refined processed foods, 40% are animal based foods and less than 10% are whole plant foods. So, you know, there's, there's whether no, like if people don't want to be vegan or vegetarian, it's just about making steps towards eating more fruit and veg and whole grains and beans, you know? So how do you guys cut loose? What's a, do you, do you have nights out? Do you, do you, do you guys, do you like to party? <laughs> I love it. I love it. But we don't, I guess. Now it tends to be like parties tend to be on the beach at sunrise when it's someone's birthday and you're all, you know, that cutting loose is going for a run or swimming in the cold. Uh, and sea I think or, you know yourself with having young kids or you know that it's there's lots of other demands. And I think, you know, I guess we gave up drink about 20 years ago and it was kind of just out of frustration, really, a hate for hangovers and kind of in Ireland, alcohol, as you well know, is kind of can often be a social crutch and a social lubricant. And I don't know, for ourselves, with giving up alcohol, it kind of made us face that kind of discomfort, that social awkwardness in the sense of, I think you often jokingly said that once I discovered I could meet girls without being drunk, it was like a game changer. You know, then it was sustainable in a sense. So in terms of fun, like the definition of fun has shifted away from, like I can think back to when we were, you know, 19 and 20 and even 21, like, you know, you live for the weekends of getting drunk, like that was the high. Whereas I think now we're a far more stable where you don't necessarily need as many highs because this, you know, the day to day tends to be pleasant. Like, like, you know, the way parties are wonderful and I love to dance just like anyone else and have a ball. But if the day to day is more pleasant, that's more important than the, you know, the, the super highs, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the one thing I, that happened to me, and uh, I, I came up with this kind of um, explanation as to why I gave up booze. We, it wasn't like we didn't split up. It wasn't like there wasn't a moment. We just sort of <laughs> s- sort of went our separate ways and there was no animosity. Um, we had a great time uh, for, for whatever, 30 years, but we just kind of we just we just we different interests. You know what I mean? Um and like Saturday morning, I was at eight o'clock in the morning. I was at the bottom of uh, I was at Ticknock waiting for some lads to turn up to go for a, a hike. Um, and as the, 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 the moment. So that's so that's how my weekends have changed. But the moment for me was because because through therapy and through the work I've been doing on myself, I got to a Friday night and my wife said, oh, do you want to drink? And I was like, oh, maybe I could. And then I realized that. The, the feeling I would get from the drink is probably not as nice as the feeling I have all the time now. So I didn't need that, you know, crutch or I didn't need that high or I didn't need that buzz, you know, because of the, what I've been doing and the work I've been doing, I, I just felt it all the time. It wasn't like, like I was, when I was working 2FM, I was just kind of like shattered all the time. And then it would almost like I'd need a few drinks to just get me through the weekend. And I wasn't doing any work on my head at all. So I'd need that. It would give me the space to sort of take a break until Monday morning came around, you know? So, 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 I mean, it's, a, what I'm trying to say is like, I wouldn't ever, and anybody listen to this, I wouldn't like you to beat yourself up because you, you because you drink because sometimes you need it. But for me, it's a holistic thing. Once I started working on one thing, it was almost like, they, you know, it just had a knock on effect where one day I just said, yeah, I just don't, don't feel like drinking anymore. Yeah. I, I, like I can remember back to in my early twenties when, when I was still in college and I'd be going out and I wouldn't buy a packet of blueberries. I wouldn't buy a decent lunch, but then I go out and spend 50 euro getting drunk to bits on, on a Friday night. And I met, I, I, like I was aware of that kind of dichotomy that, 
And I think as health or feeling good became higher up the priority, I realized that, you know, maybe I won't, maybe, you know, it seemed foolish spending 50 euro going to get drunk and I wasn't feeding myself properly, you know, so the kind of, the, 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 the goalpost shifted in a sense. Well, I'm, I'm working, I'm, I'm a bit behind you guys, but I've got, I've, I'm working hard to, to, to get where you are. <laughs> Your cat just keeps, there's no race. I have a no bit to race. go. Yeah. Someday, someday I'll meet you on the beach for a sunrise swim. I'm working towards that, you know. It's like, in terms of buzz, like, you know, the way, like, and genuinely like that party feeling, that sense of connection, because like partying is essentially, you get that great sense of connection and you get the, that euphoric feelings of whether you're dancing or whatnot. And certainly we found like even through Corona, like swimming on the sea, like we live in Greystones right by the sea and we're very lucky in that sense. And we've all, for the last six or seven years, we've swam at sunrise every morning, like summer and winter. And there's, there's, there's been even more and more people swimming in the sea at sunrise. Obviously I mean, keeping social distance. Keeping social dis- distance, but there's been incredible, like, like people will have discussions after it and there'll be, you know, it's, it's like an incredible, it's just a different kind of euphoric feeling than a party, but it, it can tick the same, a lot of the same feelings, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a social, it's a social event. I, I could, I could just imagine it. I could just imagine it. Um, I just, there was something you said, Stephen, of, uh, when you did that interview, I think it was with the independent, uh, it was just you on your own. Um, and I just thought it was very nice because I think, the way you're going about your business and I mean business in the sense of business and, and your lives as well. But uh, this, you said of your brother, Dave said, if I'm very tired um, and I'm a bit off, he'll notice because you're twins, obviously he'll notice and tell me to go and do something for myself, which uh, I think a man, my experience of working with men in, in any environment uh, would be if you were tired or you're a bit off, someone would tell you to cop gone and get on with the job and stop feeling sorry for yourself. And we tend to treat other men, men tend to treat other, other men without compassion. And I think there's a big issue there with like, that's beautiful. Your brother saying to you, look, man, go and do something, go and, you know, go for a walk or go for whatever, you, you know, I mean, obviously you guys are busy and you've got a business to run, but at the same time, you can see the space and you can see the need for someone to just kind of, you know, take a break that, that you're not driving each other like, like normal men in business would. Yeah. 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 I guess like we struggle like everyone else, but I, I guess fortunate, like having each other and kind of realizing that, you know, if he's feeling off, it's going to bring both of us down and we're not going to be able to, you know, work as well and you know be part of a team so like often when we're when i'm stressed or i'm tired or i'm kind of a little bit off david say come on let's go for a run even 20 minute run we'll feel better we'll be more productive and i think that's something that as we kind of get older yeah if we get older we're now You'll never, you guys will never get old we've kind of realized the importance of just exercise and just doing various little things that we can make part of our environment to kind of help our mental health because like say you're sitting like true everyone's struggling through corona right now and um often there's more and more time in front of a computer so we kind of try to every kind of half hour hour to try to go for a walk or even just do yes. do a few press-ups or do a few jumping jacks or do some form of movement because it just makes you feel better and then the chocolate bar you were craving suddenly you go actually maybe i'll have an apple and, it, and it's almost like your question was almost about masculinity and how as men we can support one of the to be better versions of ourselves as yeah. opposed to dragging one of the down and we grew up with that like very masculine you know all boys families all boys schools a lot of rugby like we had a lot of male upbringing and that kind of like you know that it you, you kind of dragged one another down 
Whereas I guess we've kind of, I guess myself and Stephen with our relationship, we'll try to help one another to stay up, you know, when he's feeling down, it's like, come on, we go for a swim or come on, we, we'll try to, but I think, and also on the topic, it's like almost about how to, like as Stephen said, we're, we're 41 now, where our definition of success is kind of changing away from, you know, when we were younger, certainly in our early twenties, it would have been much more about money and that, that outside validation that you are successful or being well known or whatever whereas now it's it's exactly as you're kind of saying that it's about that inward journey that meditation that sense of ease within oneself and that sense of like acceptance with yourself because when you have that you're far more easier with other people and with life and you're probably a nicer human to be around starting with yourself really um okay on a lighter note, lads, because although, although that was all very light, not too heavy, <laughs> uh, on a slightly lighter note, what do you do? Uh, what about uh, pop culture wise? Do you listen to music? Do you watch box sets? Any of that kind of stuff? Is that, do you have room for that? I yeah. have kids. We were watching loads of Christmas movies at the moment. It's great. I'm absolutely loving it. We watched, we watched, um, do you ever watch Legends of a Fall? I think it's A Fall. Yeah, we were away, myself, my wife got, got away. Oh, it was brilliant, but it was amazing just watching one of those older movies where it kind of really is these deep characters and there's much more, the dialogue can be quite like more profound often than a lot of modern kind of these light fluffy ones that we'd often watch. And and on the and even on the pop culture note, me and Sab, me and my partner, we went to see uh, Wonder Woman 1984 there on Sunday, which it certainly wasn't my favourite movie by any chance. Any matter of means, but it was really nice to go to the cinema, you know. So. Yeah, just to get out. And do you listen to uh, music? Are you? Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah, music's definitely part of our lives. I can't say we're very sophisticated in any sense. I'd brother, love to say our lives, I'm yeah. sophisticated and, and I have a fancy taste in music. We both tend to be very generic and mainstream. I quite like melancholic music, if I'm honest. Like kind of melancholic feeling. I like mo- female vocalists that are a bit melancholic and a bit dour. I That's quite like that, yeah, Steve. I don't know why, but I just quite enjoyed it. Kind Anything of in I... particular, or is it just whatever comes yeah, up on the radio? I, I quite like London Grammar. I quite like okay. Starling. Quite like Birdie. Quite like you know these kind of yeah, 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 yeah English yeah. even bats for lashes. You know these kind of ones that are yeah, they're, they're not the most chipper songs. You know that way or chipper I music. You. I totally get you. Uh, yeah, the movie is Leg- Legends of the Fall, nineteen ninety four, American epic historical drama. Uh, with uh, Brad Pitt, Anthony Hopkins, and Aidan Quinn. That's great. And a movie, uh, one of my favourite movies this year was that one, what was it called? Uh, Knives Out. Knives Out. I adored that movie. That was that was one of the best movies I'd seen in 10 or 15 years. It was... Uh, oh, I it, saw Knives Out. It was the one where they all went to the house to read out the, read out the will. Yeah, yeah, it was Who Done It. It was a Who Done It where you had to, you know, a murder mystery type thing. But I found it so entertaining. I thought that was one of the most enjoyable movies I'd seen in a long time. Daniel Craig has an American accent. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. It wasn't yeah. bad, no. I thought, I thought it was good. It's a good movie. Um, okay, cool. One final question then that I kind of meant to ask you a minute ago. But when you, when you guys changed your lifestyles, when you went traveling or whatever, uh, and you came back and you were sort of, you, were, you, you weren't the meathead drinkers anymore. I know it sort of happened over a period of time. You're probably gone traveling for a long time. But did you notice that friends you grew up with somewhere, obviously you, some fell by the wayside, some weren't interested in hanging out with you anymore. Did you find that some sort of drifted, to, were attracted more to you or, or how did that work out? Or did you just sort of have to create your own sort of group of friends from scratch? Yeah, I, th- I think like one thing we learned is that you kind of become the product of your own environment. And when we came back, like we left 
as you mentioned, two kind of meatheads that were kind of jocks, played a lot of rugby, and we were kind of, at the time, our social circles were going out, getting drunk, and kind of going to nightclubs. And it was quite true. Our traveling, we had changed. Our interest had changed. And we ourselves had kind of, we felt like different people. So we were, we came back, first of all, dressed totally different so that we could show our little hometown of Grayson's, we're different, treat us differently. <laughs> like we had long hair. We kind of, I used to wear polyester shirts and plaid pants. Used to paint my fingernails. Um, you know, and, and, we, and we started a vegetable shop and we were now vegan and we were into yoga and meditation and swimming the sea. So our old friends did not want to be our friends. Because we all. were just weird. <laughs> we were weirdos. And because there was two of us, we kind of like, you're kind of insulated in a sense, like your need for so, so we kind of yeah. is a little less than others. And, and even we, like, I guess, like the, one of the number one determinants <gasps> for anyone. Sorry, sorry. Oh, don't worry. One it's of the okay. number one determinants for anyone um, sustaining any lifestyle change is their environment and social support. So we kind of, I remember when we first came back, I remember calling a friend, one of Dave's best friends in college, Gavin Keller, uh, and asking Gav, Gav, is Andy there? And he goes, why do you want to talk to Andy? And he said, sure, Andy's the only vegan in town. So I remember meeting Andy back, this is in 2002 maybe, or 2003, meeting up Andy to go, Andy, what's it like being vegan in Greystones? Because like, you know, we were really new to the game. Really new to the game, and um, you know, we had a chat with him. And then ultimately, one of the main reasons why we started the Happy Pair was to create an environment that would support us to live this life that we wanted—an environment where people were interested in vegetables, people wanted to talk about health, people that were more curious about that aspect of life. So ultimately, I guess the reason why we started our business was totally selfishly. If I'm and, really and and out of starting it, I guess it attracted people that were into fruit and veg and organic fruit and veg and you know, people with similar type things. And I guess, lo and behold, it's our whole friendship pool changed. And over time, our old friends, we've, we've reconnected with them all in various different ways, you know. You, cre you built your own tribe, sort of, in a way. Well, I think it just happened. It certainly wasn't conscious. It just, when you do change to that degree, you kind mm -hmm. of need other friends that are interested in the same thing. And if you're doing your thing and having fun, people tend to want to, joined forces so we were having a great time playing shop that loads of people went you know, like wanted to come help and play with us and uh lo and behold we made lots of really good friends that were interested in and now i guess we're very fortunate that there's a community around us that kind of all you know like to eat healthy like to swim in the sea like to exercise and kind of support and each the norm, other the norm is like parties on a sunday morning on the beach or coffee it's not like Parties going, going to the pub, like it's different type of thing. You know, social circumstances have changed. And that, dramatically. That's, that's they found in these blue zones is that it's not necessarily that these people have, you know, superhuman genetics or that they're something special about them. It's more that they live in an environment where the healthy choice is the easy choice. So I guess uh, we've kind of in a, in a, I guess, unconscious way are, are trying to create an environment that supports us to make the healthy choice. Yeah. So for anyone listening, if it's it's about kind of almost if the if you can have other people who support you in living the lifestyle you want to live, yeah, makes some degree, you know, it makes it easier. Because we all have bad days. Yeah, find your people, uh, guys. Can I be your friend? Can we? Of course, we, come out anytime, Keith. We'd be honoured. Yeah, come genuinely come swimming. Like the swimming's great. There's loads. Like there's really good humans do it, and when everyone's togged off facing the sea. Everyone is equal. Everyone is scared. Everyone is cold. 
and afterwards getting like just people connect very easily because there's no airs and graces you know well it's a th- it's a plan we had for christmas morning was to go to port marnock where my brother-in-law lives and go swimming uh it's a slightly different christmas morning this year than traditional but uh i think the lockdown is is going to scupper those plans but however we'll do it again um finally uh, on the book the happy health plan what do you want people what's the one thing if you can think of one thing you'd like people to take away from the book or is it easy to condense it down to that something like that yeah, if I was to boil it down to one sentence, I'd say the whole book is to get people to eat more fruit and veg and to try to make it easier. Like it's got meal plans and recipes and shopping lists and all the kind of reasons why you should not do it or why you should do it. Like it's got and, and it answers the ones where you, you know, all the fears and barriers you might have. So it's and, but ultimately it's about getting people to eat more fruit and veg, beans, legumes, whole grains, and to really understand why the healthy choice is really important for your well-being in every sense of it. Great. Yeah. And yes. that, and that health, health is kind of multifaceted in a weird way. You know, many people like and us ourselves can get caught up. It's goji berries. No, no, no. It's kale. It's turmeric. No, it's gratitude journals. No, it's uh, mindfulness. No, no, it's meditation. But kind of health is very complex. And, you know, I think it's, it's not necess- what you eat obviously has a massive part. It's also exercise. It's also how you deal with stress. It's also sleep, your sleep. friends, all these. There's so many aspects to it. So. The book touches mostly on the food one, but it kind of it also it tries to cover. It touches on all the other ones, you know, those ones like community and sleep and you know exercise, exercise and stress, mental health. health. You know, it's a holistic approach. My the, the when I when I went vegan initially, there was only one meal I could cook, which I ate all the time. Uh, <laughs> breakfast. What was that? It was your uh, it was your bean burrito. Okay, nice. Good on you, Keith. But it was it was fr- refried bre- beans, I think, uh, and uh, I think it might have been, or I, I I think I might have taken something like that she made, and it could have been the refried beans, and then I was just I might have just made it into a bre- I don't know, but it was definitely your, <laughs> yeah, your, you ate it so much that you hate it. Uh, I I go back to it every now and then when I have to, but but that was literally all I ate for ages, and I was just like, no, I I I really wanted to give up meat, and I really wanted it, but I didn't have the time or whatever, so I got one recipe, and I learned that, and I stuck with that for for a long time. Uh, so thank you very much for that, and okay, thanks for yeah, yeah, go on, go on. I, I think it's the tools of like starting by learning a couple of new dinners because it's so habitual what we eat. Like we're all such habitual creatures that we Monday night's shepherd's pie, Wednesday night we make. Uh, you know, a chicken curry Thursday night. We do, you know, we all of our six or seven recipes or our ready meals that we buy. We're so habitual with it that it really making like, it's all about making baby steps in the right direction. And that's why I think it's about learning a couple of new dinners. And when you realize that geez, this only takes me 10 minutes, it costs me four euro and I can feed the four people in the family. And it took me 10 minutes. Oh my God, I'm going to make and this healthy. And it grows well. And wow, I feel great. You know? So like it's learning a couple of those new things and, then before you know it, like you've got two or three new recipes and you're walking more and you're making, like it's just a few little things can, and it can have such a positive catalytic effect, domino effect on your life, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's all like t- uh, baby steps, baby steps. I actually, I've mentioned this before, but I spoke to a guy who uh, ran in the, uh, Olymp- uh, ran for Ireland marathons in the Olympics. And uh, he was talking about his training and all that. And he was just about to go, I was doing a sort of, a, I was running a marathon in Dublin and, uh the dublin marathon funny enough and uh i was doing a bit of promo with him and i got chatting to him and i said 
he said, I'm on a break now and I have a few weeks off. I'm looking forward to sort of vegging out and eating bad food for a while and all that. And, he, and I said, when are you back training? And he said, oh, I'm back, blah, blah, three weeks, this date. And I said, OK, so what will you do your first day back training? He said, he said, uh, I don't know, I'll run a mile. And wow. uh, it just struck me like this is this guy who, you know, ran, I don't know how many marathons a year he ran. He'd been to the Olympics a couple of times. He was, you know, one of our greatest athletes ever. And it just kind of struck me as a way of getting back into doing something. Or if you fall off the wagon or, you know, you need to start on, uh, you know, whatever it is that when he went back training his first day, he might run a mile. Wow. Which, wow. I, which I just think is perfect because you're like, okay, grand, if I can just do a mile the first day, then, you know, if, if, if it's good enough for him. That's an idea. And one, one thing I'm trying at the moment is the power of like, the, like we do handstands, which isn't relatable to most people, but there's this one move which I've wanted to do for ages. So I've literally, I drew out, put it like a small little sheet of paper and stuck it to the mirror in the bathroom. And I have 30 little squares in it and I'm going to do 20 minutes a day and I tick it every evening. 20 minutes a day working on this move. And I want to see over 30 days if I can actually do this move. And I'm four days into it. And it's, I'm amazed that just the, the cumulative effect of 20 minutes a day on something, how much it can benefit, you know, whatever you want to focus on. Wow. That's and I'm four days into it. So that's yeah. brilliant. And also the fact that uh, and if we go back to depression and, and not feeling great as well, uh, having goals like that and seeing those little achievements every day can be hugely beneficial as well. So. Yeah, yeah I, think, so. I, I think we've sorted out the problems of the world there last than an hour. I think yeah. I Jesus, think that's great. It's only half day. It's only halfway through. <laughs> I think, he, lads, take the rest of the day off. I'm very happy. With that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, I'm so delighted you decided to you agreed to come on the podcast. I'm a big fan, and uh, I'm looking forward to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna really. I'm gonna really give the uh, the book a go now uh, because. Yeah. I'm kind of, I have. I, I feel like I've everything set up. Like you know, the booze is gone. I'm kind. Of, I'm yeah, well, it sounds like you're doing great. Like uh, one of the benefits for people who are listening, like anyone who wants to kind of improve their health. One of the beautiful things about it for anyone who's kind of been trying many weight management practices, it's like no calorie counting, no portion control. Eat as much of it as you want. So often when people think of a diet, they think hunger, starvation, calorie count. I'm going to be like want to fill out those calorie additional journeys whereas i guess it, it, because it's naturally foods that are high in fiber low in calories low in energy density they fill you up and they satisfy you Go and on, then you can focus your energy in other aspects of your life like meditation <laughs> whatever, it is, whatever it is whatever it is you know i thought you were going to say riding <laughs> well that's too. <laughs> grand too that's grand too <laughs> Uh, lads really nice to see really nice to see you again and thanks a million for coming on and best look at the book and and hopefully i'll see you for a swim when the lockdown is over genuinely there's such there's such good community of people who who face that sea every morning like it just it's like a dose of medicine every morning yeah you're like a dose of medicine you lads i'll let you go (laughs) thanks very much There you go. Uh, that is uh, Dave. That is Stephen. And they are the happy pair. And the happy health plan is the book. And it's out now. Go and get it. And um, make sure your your diet and your heart and your head are all happy. Um, they definitely they definitely sold it to me. I mean, I look at those guys and I'm like, fucking hell. You know, they're up in the morning. They're swimming in the sea. They look good. They sound happy, you know. 
can't just be like, you know, can't just be putting that on all the time. Uh, so, um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm soon going to look like them and probably be their friend. Uh, it's going to be great. It'll be me. I'll be like, we'll be like the, the happy, they'll have to change their name from the happy pair to the happy uh, trio, uh, happy there's nothing see pear is a veg is a fruit so that works but anyway look we'll figure that out um all in good time the book is out now it's called the happy health plan go and buy it you won't be sorry uh, don't just buy it though you know make some of the recipes as well you know and i'm definitely going to get around to it i've made a few now to be honest with you but it's the plan it's the making of them and the planning of them and the just eating uh the vegan stuff that's what i want to get um that's it thank you very much for listening it uh, it's it's been a pleasure for me i hope you enjoyed it uh, if you did enjoy it or if you have any comments my email is keithwalchpod at gmail.com so keithwalchpod at gmail.com is the email address uh, send me in an email about anything at all and uh, do rate and review the podcast and subscribe as well a five-star review would be great and uh just say great things about it generally tell your friends that's probably the best way word of mouth i tell you um that's the best way and don't forget to go back and uh, listen to some of my earlier chats with the likes of darren garrahy um with um baz ashwami with uh who have i got coming up actually uh tyg hickey um i've got a good one with an author it's um Rachel Ryan, that's coming out very soon. So lots to look forward to, lots to listen back to. And uh, yeah, as I said, to, to subscribe and listen every week. We uh, we drop two podcasts on a Monday. One is an interview generally, and the other one is a chat I have with me and my friend Mike, who's a pal of mine who I worked with in London in a hotel years ago. And uh, that's just us talking shite, uh, but good shite, entertaining shite. And we at least try and make ourselves laugh. And then one every Thursday as well. So you get three podcasts a week. You know what I mean? You'll never run out of podcasts to listen to. Which is the big fear, as you know. Anyway, thank you very much. Uh, i got to go uh, edit this, put it up, and um, I'll talk to you soon. Good luck. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, you know that I can't sign off. I'm not able. I can't just say goodbye and go. I, I just don't know how to. It's just not in me. So um, listen, mind yourself. And uh, stand by the wall and mind the buses. And don't forget, the Keith Walsh Podcast is part of the ACAST Network. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.